detailed in our lives. Uh, there was a while ago, there was a discrepancy between my daughter-in-law and myself. And I have two grandchildren with her and my son. So because of this discrepancy, there was, um, the relationship was broken. And I couldn't see my grandkids, my other two. So, you know, that was, you know, even though I have given it to the Lord and, and, and I forgave her and I loved her with all my heart. I still love her. You know, it's called unconditional love. And, you know, I gave it to the Lord and I just asked, Lord, you know, I, I choose to forgive her and I love her. Bless her. I would pray for her, my son, the children. And I would say, God, but give me an opportunity to make it right. You know, because this was crushing my spirit. You know, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> but praise God. So as God is so awesome that he heard that little prayer, of course he hears our prayers. So he made it possible that I can be their neighbor. Hallelujah. So I was walking my dog and my other two granddaughters to school. And then guess who I see right across the street. And she looked at me and she smiled. That broke me. I went up to her. As soon as I crossed the street, I hugged her. And I said, I love you. I missed you. You know, and let me tell you, God is so awesome. The power of God is so awesome. That I felt everything just fall. Hallelujah. She started crying. And she said, forgive me. You know, I, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I told her, you know what? I let it go a long time ago. I know that was not you. Hallelujah. And as a result, I am able to have, you know, we have dinner. We hang out. I can see my kids all the time, my grandbabies. So God heard. You know, he came through for me, and I just want to say a verse. Ooh, I'm so nervous. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> All for the glory of the Lord, Jesus. <laughs> in, Leviticus chapter, in, Le in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, it says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one among, among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Hallelujah. And I just want to encourage y'all. You know what? Sometimes we pray, and we give it to the Lord, and we ask for forgiveness and we choose to forgive that other person but sometimes we just hold to the hurt you know and that crushes us so we have to learn how to release that as well thank you jesus so let's pray father i thank you lord god father you are a wonderful god you are so amazing and we just give you glory father god for, uh, for father god for for all the things that you do for us lord god and that you continue to do father we thank you for your presence in this today we ask that you prepare the spiritual atmosphere father god and that you touch every heart in this place lord god father god and whatever they're dealing with father we ask that they be set free in the name of jesus we thank you father in jesus name amen Amen, amen, amen. Give the Lord some praise. Amen. I mean, this entire month, you know, we're talking about reaching people with the love of Jesus Christ, sharing our faith. And this first song talks a little bit about that right now. And, and before we start right now, God is here in this place. Amen. So God, we thank you for your presence, God. And we ask, oh Lord, that Lord, you would be with us right now, God. From the first song, God, to the last prayer said in this building, God. God, we ask for, Lord, you will fill our praise. Come on. God, I ask that you would bring strength to people this morning, God. Oh, Father, that we would worship from our heart, that we would worship in spirit and in truth as one body, God, reaching out to you, God. We thank you that your presence, that your spirit is here, oh, Lord. We thank you, God, every person. Come on, just thank him. We thank you, Lord.
me sing it out. Could we live like your grace is stronger than all our faults and failures? Could we live like your love is deeper than our hearts can fathom? But could we live like this? Come on, could we live? Could we live like your name is higher than every other power? Could we live like your ways are wiser than our understanding? Well, could we live like this? Come on, church, sing it. Well, could we live like this? Yes, our God is all He says, all He says He is. Jesus, in Your name, we can change the world. We stand in Your love and in Your power. It's all You say we are. Jesus, in Your name, we can change the world. We believe that your grace is stronger. Come on, sing it out. Than all our faults and failures. We believe that your love is deeper than our hearts can fathom. We live like this. We shine in all the world. Well, can we live like this? Yeah. And yes, our God is all He says, and all He says He is. Jesus, only we can change the world. So we stand in Your love and in Your power. It's all You say we are. Jesus, only we can change the world. We believe, we believe, oh, Jesus, only we can change the world. Go sing, we're saying, we're singing, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. What else could we say? We're going all the way. We're singing, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. We're going all the way, we're going all the way, we're going to live like this, yes, our God is, come on, sing it. So yes, our God is, all He says, all He says He is, yes, our God is, all He says, and all He says He is. Jesus, in your name, we could change the world. And so we said, in your love, it's in your power, it's all you say we are. Jesus, in your name, we could change the world. Sing it out. Oh. Jesus, in your name, we could change the world. One more time, sing it out. Jesus, in your name, we could change the world. Come on, give my hand, clap of praise. 
Come on, I want you to look to your neighbor and give him a high five saying, do you believe God can use you to change the world? Come on. Come on, amen, amen, amen. God is so good, amen. Let us be encouraged by what God is doing right now. Come on, God, we thank you, God. God, this month we're taking the entire time every Sunday to talk about how we can share our faith because there are people that do not know you, God. Oh, God, we pray that right now that as we worship, God, you will build up that hunger and that desire to see all people come to the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We worship you here in this time, oh, God. God, we lift you up. God, you are greater than anything in this world, God. God, you're greater than any excuse. God, you're greater than all our sicknesses. God, you're greater than all our pains and all our mistakes. Come on, just lift up Jesus in this place. Oh, we lift you up. Church, sing it. There's no one like you, none like you. Into, into the darkness you shine, and out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you, but none like you. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. Our God is healer, awesome power, our God. Our God, oh, sing it again, our God. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are. Healer, awesome power, our God, and our God. Our God. Come into, into the darkness you shine, and out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you. None like you. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are. Our God is healer. Awesome power. Our God. Yes, our God. Sing it out. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome and power. Oh, this is our God. 
church to sing and if our God and if our God is for us then who could ever stop us and if our God is with us then what can stand again and if our God is for us then who could ever stop us and if our God is with us Stand again, oh, what you stand against, to what you stand against, oh, singing our God, our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, our son and power, our God. It's our God. One more time, say, our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, our son and power, our God. It's our God. And if our God is for us, then stop us. And if our God is with us, then what can stand against? And if our God is for us, then stop us. If our God is with us, then what can stand against? What can stand against? Come on, I really do feel an attitude of prayer, an attitude of worship that, man, we are, we are making war right now in the spiritual. Come on. And we believe it with all our hearts and our minds that our God is greater and that he has made us more than overcomers. Come on. Every person in this place. Hallelujah. So right now, we're going to have some warfare right now. Come on. God has given us the victory through his son, Jesus Christ. Come on, and there's some struggles going on in your life. Come on. Maybe some issues, some things you're dealing with right now that you've been praying for and that you really haven't had answers for. Come on, we're about to do some warfare. It's just not normal prayer. It's a prayer that's saying, God, I'm going to do whatever it takes. God, I'm rebuking the enemy. God, I'm laying down my life right now. Every person in this place, come on. We come against the enemy in Jesus' name. By the power and the blood of Jesus, come on. Every stronghold is broken in the name of Jesus. Come on. We have victory. Victory in Jesus. Come on, church, just press in. Oh, lift up your voice. Strongholds are being broken. Strongholds being broken in the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on, lost ones are coming to Jesus in the name of Jesus. Lost family members, loved ones. Come on. Oh, we pray in Jesus' name. Devil, let them go. You cannot have them. You cannot have them. You cannot have our family. You cannot have our schools. Come on, you cannot have our city. 
our God is greater. Our God is greater. Our God is greater. We lift up the name of Jesus. Come on, when you feel the situation, when you feel the enemy pushing you, come on, you lift up the name of Jesus in this place. And no other name that every knee shall bow and tongue confess. We lift you up, O oh God. sing hallelujah. hallelujah you have won it all oh, sing hallelujah Death could not hold you down. You are the risen King. Come sing it out. You seated in majesty. You are the risen King. Come on, every voice. You have won the victory. Hallelujah. You have won it all for me. 
Death could not hold you down. You are the risen. You ain't more. You seated in majesty. Yes, you are the risen. Oh, come on, sing it again, sing death. But death could not You are the moon church Lift your voice, lift your voice See it in man You see it alone You are the vision Oh come on, sing death could not but death could not hold you down. Oh, you are the risen. Seated, seated in majesty. Oh, you are the risen king. You are the with us and you are here you are here God you are here with us this morning you are here we declare God oh Lord oh Lord in your presence God in your presence to us this morning.
if that's for you in this place. Come on, there's freedom in Jesus Christ. Come on, all across this place, that word was for freedom. You're locked up because of your sin. Sin will keep you in the jail of death. But God came to set you free. Come on, if that's for you, just raise your hands all across this place. Don't start categorizing your sin. Well, it's not as bad as these people. It's not as bad as so-and-so. Come on. He set us free for freedom's sake. Jesus, we receive it, O Lord. time for one more. God, we pray in this time, God, that you will continue to make our hearts sensitive to where you're leading us, God. Come on, that last word, God, that we would be bold to speak and not coward back, God. That, God, we would go and say what your spirit wants us to say for everyone in this room, God, not just for leaders, but for, God, every person from the youngest to the oldest, God. That we would be a witness for your son, Jesus Christ to this world let us start here God in this city we thank you Lord in Jesus name amen you guys can do me the favor you guys can just have a seat to where you're at and as you're making your way back to your seat can you do me the kind favor and open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 15 my name is Pastor Adam, I'm the youth pastor here in this ministry, Metro Praise International. And I have the privilege of sharing to you the gospel this morning. And the gospel, we want to share it specifically for those who don't know Jesus Christ. We believe that God makes himself available when he died on the cross for our sins, amen. For every person here, if you're not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're questioning, am I saved, this is for you. Amen. And I want to encourage you, you know, this morning as, I, as I'm preparing and I'm thinking about this, man, God has so many ways of just getting our attention. He does. He really does. He'll, I mean, if he has to use people, if he has to use children, it's the craziest thing. Growing up, I grew up in a Christian home and in a Christian private school, and they taught us this song, and we're teaching it to our kids now um, here in Metro Praise. Um, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells. And, and that's, I learned that when I was yay tall. And I haven't forgot it. <laughs> and God has ways of reminding us. And, and um, you know, yesterday I had the opportunity and the privilege to, 
to speak with two family and friends. And we have a cousin, he's going to Marine Boot Camp. And the testimony that I shared was, I remember when I came into ministry, um, God had used several people to get a hold of me. And the verse that everybody was giving me when I was going into ministry was Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. You know how that goes. And I used to think, like, man, you know what? Like, like man, can't, doesn't everybody have any other verse? Is God saying something else? You know, and, and if you read throughout the book of Joshua, when you get to Joshua chapter 8, God says the exact same thing to Joshua. And I started thinking to myself, man, God has a way of really getting our attention. He's saying it because he wants us to know it. And, man, you're saying this morning, man, we always do a gospel presentation. We're always talking about Jesus. It's because he gives you the opportunity so when you walk out this place to knowing you're in a right relationship with God, that you know him. Not that your pastors know him, but that you know him. And then when you leave this place, you walk with God. And I want to share this story because Jesus is the same way. He called disciples to him. And, you know, the way he communicated, Jesus was probably the best communicator in the earth. And he loved using stories, you know, parables. And he communicated things that they would understand. You know, he told farming stories. He told stories of how they would understand the relationships to God and, and, and you know, prayer and what that would be like. And, and so I want you to open up your Bibles to Luke 15. Very popular verse and um, passage in Scripture. It's talking about the prodigal son. The lost son. And, and I'm not going to read the entire story, but it goes a little bit like this. I'm going to do my best to just shorten it in the next couple of moments. Jesus tells a story to the people, and basically he's telling them, hey, listen, there is this son that comes up to his father and says, hey, listen, give me everything that's owed to me. Okay? I want it all. And so the father, not, to, not hesitating, is like, hey, you know what? Here, this is what's yours. And so that son, kind of rebellious, stuck up on his own, like, hey, I, don't, I can do this all by myself. So he goes and he has all the wealth that was given to him and he goes and he's living it up. He's partying. He's, I mean, he's squandering it. He's wasting it away. And then he gets to a moment in his life where he's at a low. Where he can't look to things around him to bring him satis satisfaction because he had none. And, and I bid you this morning that Without that relationship with Jesus Christ, nothing that you will look to, to your right or to your left, relationships, your job, your money, will ever satisfy you, ever. Mark that down right now. It will never satisfy you. Well, he just gave me a raise. That won't satisfy you. Come a couple months, you're going to ask me for more. You're going to find out that this is happening, this is happening. The job will never satisfy you. Relationships never satisfy. Only the love of God will ever satisfy you. So he gets to this point, and he's at a low place. The Bible says in verse 17, let's read there. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I love that. The Bible says he came to his senses. I pray that every person in this place will come to your senses. Stop doing the dance. Stop like, well, I'm all right. I'm good enough. Come to your senses. He will come to his senses, and he said, man, my... The servants in my father's house had it better than this. I was his son. He's realizing that. Verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He's thinking to himself, i got to have a game plan. Because dad's going to be upset. When I go over there, the belt's going to be out and it's on. 
You know what I mean? If you grew up in a Hispanic household, you were afraid of your father and mother because you know what? Either a chanco or the best. Like, I have to have a story of why I did this. And so he's saying to himself, like, I'm going to tell him, hey, dad, you know what? I made mistakes. Will you please forgive me? And, and I love the response of the father. Verse 22, he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fan calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Why? For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Do you know that when you give your life to Christ, you know there's a party in heaven? Come on, the angels literally get it on. They're like, come on, let's go. He gave his life. He finally came to his senses. We pray that right now if you're in this place and you're, you're shucking and jiving with God, and God is calling you to come to your senses this morning, right now. Let's not wait for tomorrow morning. No, right now. They celebrated. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. That even in our mistakes... He receives us when we come to him, when we repent of our sins. Amen. Just with all eyes closed in this place, the gospel is the good news of Jesus. And, and if you're here and you're saying, man, you know what, I, I've been sidestepping God for a while. I've just been ignoring coming up for prayer because I'm, I'm getting on by just whatever I, I can do on a Sunday. No, God is saying, stop, come to me. Come to your senses, and he'll embrace you. He'll embrace you. He won't push you away. So with all eyes closed and head bowed this morning, if that's you, just, just as I pray over you, you can pray to yourself and make it personal with the Lord. And God, we just pray for every heart in this place, God, that they would know you on a personal level. And that, God, they would come to their senses this morning and receive the love the mercy, the kindness of Jesus Christ. Come on. The power of salvation that is found in your son. God, we pray that people would come to the light and receive you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You guys can stand to your feet for me, please. As we stand, we're going to have the young ones dismissed. If you have a child, we have child care in the back provided for them. Amen. And if at the same time you pray that prayer today, we want to make aware that, hey, we want to pray with you. We want to affirm what God is doing in your life. Amen. You may be a familiar face here. It doesn't matter. We have our life group leaders, Chris and Monique. They want to pray with you. When we're done with this time and fellowships on, we want to pray. So, hey, listen, yes and amen. That was God. I don't know if he wants me to get my life right. No, that was God. <laughs> amen. So we're going to confess our, our um, confession. We're going to go over this. If anybody needs a copy, could you please raise your hand? We want to pass them out. Anybody here? We have one right here on the side. Amen. Let's wait for that.
so thankful that you're here in the house of the Lord. Amen. Over on this side. We're going to read it on the count of three. Nice and loud in our outdoor voices. Let's proclaim this, y'all. I want you to saying, I believe. No, I believe. Amen. Let's own it. Come on. On the count of three. Here we go. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles, prophets, elders, and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on, give them a hand clap of praise. We want you guys to fellowship. Come on and greet somebody new. Tell them you love them.
this morning as you may make your way back to your seats give somebody a high five look to your neighbor say I'm so glad you made it in this beautiful rainy weather who loves the fall I love the fall and I love this weather it's so nice and cozy praise the Lord welcome everybody to Metro Praise International we are so excited that you came to join us this morning to worship the Lord how many of you guys got excited just worshiping the Lord feeling the love of God the power of God Amen. Join us every Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning. We are here every week. And then Fridays, our youth group, Elevate. They come 7 p.m. God is doing awesome things with our teenagers, with Pastor Adam, bringing the word every week, experiencing the power of God. So let's support this youth group. Let's keep them in prayer as they go preach to the high schools and win their lost friends for the Lord. How many of you guys know that our teenagers need Jesus today? Amen. So they are here every week just winning their friends for the Lord. Our vision at MPI is loving God and loving people. And the reason why that is our vision, it's because Jesus said those are the two greatest commandments that we could obey and live by. Amen. So at this time, as we present to you loving God and loving people, we want to welcome all of our first-time visitors. Thank you for coming and for being here. If you received a brochure at the front, please um, fill out the card at the bottom, put it in the drop box. We would love to connect with you throughout the week and have you feel the love in this place. Amen. Our discipleship strategy is threefold. We want to connect, mentor, and send you out. We want to connect you every week to Jesus through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. And so here is our schedule just for this week at MPI. There's a, there's a whole plethora of life groups that you can choose to make your own, to find a place to belong, to call home, and to share life with people. And just this week, this is what's happening at MPI. You cannot be bored when you come to church. Come on, living for Jesus is exciting. There is nothing boring about living for Jesus. This is what's going on tonight, encounter night. It's a prayer time, 5 p.m. Check it out where they're just soaking in the glory of God. And then our single moms make some noise. Five o'clock tonight, they are meeting and God is just doing amazing things. And then again today, Sunday, all the married folks make some noise. They're going to get together and just have a good time. And Wednesdays is our King's Kids where our children come together and have their life group. Friday, every week, there's an adult Bible study with Griselda and Berto just bringing the word of God to encourage you that week. And Saturday, evangelism. If you've never gone street witnessing, I challenge you, I encourage you, check out that life group. God is doing amazing things through this team on the streets, setting people free. There's healings, miracles. Talk to Diana. She's got so much to testify about. So find a place this week to go. Look to your neighbor and say, find a place to go. And if you don't, I'm going to bring you with me, okay? Praise God. And then we want to mentor you. We have our mentor stages as 101 and 201, and this is our 101. Welcome to your new life. We have leaders in place ready to take you through this according to your schedule. And then when you're done with the 101, you get into the 201 class and you become a disciple that learns how to make other disciples. This is where we train you to be a leader. We believe that every believer should be a leader, and we want you to be equipped and challenged to defend your faith, to win the loss for the Lord, to be a leader in the house of God. And then we want to send you out to evangelize, to win the lost people to the Lord, everybody around you to be bold in your faith. And then our goal is to have 100,000 disciples. Somebody say 100,000. 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do that, say amen. Amen. Glory to God. I believe God can do that. And which brings us to our Chicago for Jesus 
seminar. This is an evangelism training seminar. We're very pumped about this. This is going to be Saturday, September 21st. Please mark this in your calendar. This is going to be an awesome seminar with Pastor Jared bringing the word, the Ten Commandments of Evangelism. So if you say to yourself, well, I'm a little scared. You know, it kind of makes me nervous to go street witnessing. I don't know what I'm doing. This is for you. Let's show up in power, guys. Let's represent the Lord. Let's represent Metro Praise because this seminar is free to every believer. Any church can come, any person. Tell your friends and family about it. Come on out. And then you're going to go and practice. Somebody say practice because evangelism takes practice. You're not going to know everything right away. You just got to learn and feed yourself and then they're going to go out and do it at 5 o'clock at Wicker Park. So if you have any more information, you want any more information, have questions, please see Pastor Jared or go to the website chicagoforjesus.net. Awesome website, so much information, and we want to really pump that up because God is doing something in Chicago. Amen? God is bringing his fire to this city. Come on. And this is our next exciting announcement. Somebody say baptisms. We love baptisms. And if you missed our last one, you got to make it for our next one because we want to baptize some people in November, but in a different tank, okay? So we want it to be different. We want it to look like this, a little bit more modern for our style, but we need you to partner with us. We want all hands on deck on this. So we don't, you know, baptize people in six inches of water. We want to really invest. Somebody say invest. Come on, we want to invest in God's kingdom, invest into this church so that our next baptism in November for all your friends, for all your family members that are getting saved just now, just literally at our next baptism, we already had people that needed to be baptized like the next day. So we need your help with this. We want you to be generous, find an amount, seek the Lord and pray. We've asked you, Joe presented this last week. Joe came before you, presented this to ask the Lord for that amount this past week and we just ask that you would continue to seek the Lord if you haven't heard the amount if God has spoken to you in amount be faithful before the Lord let's be generous at this time so that we could really invest in getting this from Metro Praise International for years to come thousands upon thousands of people that will be baptized in this amen amen let's thank the Lord he is good he will provide which brings us to our tithes and offerings how many of you guys like when I talk about tithe and offerings come on every week if you can um please turn with me in your bibles to the book of mark mark chapter 12 and just a quick side note we want to make sure that when you're giving your offering for the baptismal tank if you can simply on the envelope mark building fund because our offering is designated to two areas it's missions and building funds so for this project that we have all the money is going towards the building fund will be given towards this baptismal tank and we believe here at metro praise that a tithe is a 10 percent of your total income and an offering is an amount between you and the lord that you give above your tithe we believe it's taught in the scripture very clearly and as believers and followers of jesus we should obey all things amen Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44. 41 through 44. If you're there, say, I'm there. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, 
Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. And the powerful thing about this story is it shows that Jesus checks our heart. He's not looking at the amount of money because you can give $5,000 in this offering bucket this morning and have that not be your tithe. Your tithe might be $10,000. God is looking at our heart of obedience. He's not looking at the dollars and cents. He's looking at this woman and he's saying she gave more than all the other people who were just throwing in all out of their wealth, out of their abundance, throwing in all this money. But this woman, she gave two small coins, which is literally in that time it was worth less than a fraction of a penny. And that was all that she had to live on, the Bible says. And God said she gave more than anybody else. Why? Because God wants obedience. He's not looking for a small sacrifice. He wants the obedience of your heart. And I want to challenge you this morning, Metro Praise, that tithing and giving to offering is a blessing unto the Lord. You're not giving to man. You're not giving to a building. God uses all that he's given to you and you are obedient to him to build his kingdom. Amen? Because what we're doing him is for eternal value. So I want to encourage those who have been tithing and giving. We thank you. Keep on doing it. Be faithful to the Lord. And for those who have not, Give the Lord a try. This is the only area that God says, test me in this and see that I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour a blessing upon you that you have not room enough to receive. Amen. God is faithful. And when we're faithful to him, he will be faithful to us. Amen. Please stand up to your feet with me this morning. We thank you for partnering with us here and what God is doing in Chicago we cannot do this without you. Every single one of you has a place in this body of Christ to reach the city and to reach the nations for Jesus. Let's do it together. All of our time, all of our resources, all of our energy for the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's repeat this together. Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for you are good and what you do is good. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us all the energy, all the power that we need to live for you. We thank you in this place for the jobs and the employment and the raises that we have. We thank you that we are a blessed nation, that we are a blessed people. We thank you, God, for all that you're doing and all that you're going to do. We give you the glory. And I pray that as the tithes and the offerings come forth, that this month our budget will be met. That this baptismal tank will be purchased by the end of this month going into October. God, we know that you have all of our needs in your hands. And I pray for every single person here who needs you to show up. I ask, oh God, that you do so. Meet their needs according to your riches and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Please come forward as you give this morning.
Right. How many love Jesus? Let me get a praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. I got the ball fade going on today. Amen. I, I, I got this haircut, and uh, I surprised my wife, and I wish I wouldn't have done that because she came home. She was like, what did you do? And it wasn't good. And then Bethany started crying. My, my oldest started crying, and I think if we could have heard her tears, it was like, oh, daddy's ugly. Daddy don't have a nice head. Daddy don't look right. Oh, man, it's just the lack of wanting to do things in the morning and not wanting any more hair product. Are there any guys like me today that just want to be free from hair product and all that? Come on. So I'm looking like my brother here today. I'm looking like Steve Ramos, wherever he's at, Joselito. I feel like now I just know everybody who's got the bald fade. Like I just point them out. I'm like, oh, yeah, we look alike. I'm like, yeah, no, not so much. You're a little longer. I, just, I look I feel cool now, you know. Anyways, enough about me and my hair. Let's open up our Bibles to Mark chapter 3. Good to see everybody here this morning. Thank you for coming out with your families. We're in the middle of a series on preach. And as we're talking about preaching, we want you to learn how to do it. So every week we're handing to you a giveaway Bible with the book of John and one of our flyers in it. So please have one of these in your hand. And if you're like, man, I already got a hundred of these, then you're not doing what we're asking you to do. <laughs> you're supposed to hand them out. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to hand them out. Everybody get it? So if you're complaining, you got a bunch of these at home, you're not yet doing what we're asking to do. And the cool thing is there's more in the back. So you guys are like, man, one, that's not enough. That's gone by Monday. We've got as many of these as you want. And uh, we have our information in it as well in the book. There's a, a sticker on the inside or on the back and if there's not one there you can write your phone number in it or the church's information metropraise.org our website uh, the church phone number uh, we don't technically have a number we just have a bunch of leaders so you can ask one of the leaders hey can I give your number sure that'd be fine we don't mind it's on the website anyway for uh, for people to contact us so everybody have these just available as we begin to look at our scriptures mark chapter 3 14 through 15 and uh, every day this month, LifeChangingDevotions.com is giving a free devotional every day to your email. So sign up for it at LifeChangingDevotions.com or Facebook. I put it up there every day as well. Does anybody ever check out the devotions? Anybody? Amen. The five of you there, thank you. You guys are what I'm doing it for. It's worth it for you. Mark chapter 3, 14. Here it is. If you're there, say I'm there. Thank you. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to church every Sunday. Is that what it says? No. Okay, thank you. He appointed them that they might be with him and that he might send them to Christian concerts and conferences. Is that what it said? Okay, so let's read it together. That they might be with him, that he might send them out to Come on, say it like you mean it. Preach. Thank you, somebody. And to have authority to drive out demons. As it was then is how it should be now. If we do what they did, we'll see what they saw. Are you always tracking with me here? Come on. If we do what they did, we'll see what they saw. We'll see demons cast out. We'll see lives changed. We'll see communities come to Jesus Christ. Does anybody think Chicago needs a move of Jesus Christ here? Lord have mercy. Just this morning, Chicago Tribune, there was a murder late last night right there uh, uh, on Milwaukee Avenue, man. This guy just murdered somebody uh, because 
because of gangs. It's happening all the time. Corruption in our government. Like how many of our governors have been arrested? What, two of them? Lord, have mercy on our city. Lord, have mercy. We need Jesus. We need people who will talk about Jesus wherever they go. And I want you to hear me today. I am not saying that you need to have a full-time job doing what I do. See, my job as an elder is to raise you up to have your job. Turn with me quickly to Ephesians chapter 4 because I want you to see this. We're not asking everybody here to have a microphone, uh, to, to lose your job or something like that. We're asking everybody to simply share the message everywhere they go. Ephesians chapter 4, I want you to see my job is to give you a job. Does everybody get that? So my job is to train you so that you can do your job. That's why I went to Bible college. You don't have to go there. I went there on behalf of this congregation so I could train you, so that I could write those books, those 101, 201. The leaders that are here have gone to Bible college so they can preach to your children and train you to uh, raise them up in the house. We're not here to replace you. We're here to assist you and to train you. Look at what it says, Ephesians chapter 4, talking about the fivefold ministry. Look at it quickly, what Jesus said, that he gave these to the church that they might equip the saints. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. So Christ himself gave, the, gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Look at verse 12. To do what? To equip his people for chilling at the church, sitting on the pew. And if you stay here very long, you begin to stink. That's why they call it a pew. You know, I got that opinion if you stay around too. I know it's old, but I have to say it because it makes a point. You're not supposed to sit around on the pew. You're supposed to get up off your holy backside and do something for Jesus. So we've got some apostles, prophets, elders, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers here. Are they doing a good job at equipping you? Do you feel like when you come to Metro Praise International, somebody is equipping you? I didn't say we're having pity patty parties with you. I didn't say that we're saying it's okay to have junk in your trunk and making you feel good about your sin. I'm asking you, has Metro Praise got the four stars because we have tried to equip you? If you believe we have, can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise for this church? Amen. Because it's not one man and it's not one family. It's a group of families. Leaders training you, life groups, all the things that have go going on. You know, sometimes people come to Metro Praise, they go, oh, you guys are just about evangelism, discipleship. That's not true. We have single moms life groups. We have marriage life groups encouraging you and your family. We have a place for your children to come. Evangelism, discipleship, the reason why it stands out at Metro Praise is because so many people have neglected it and don't talk about it. That's why it looks like we're doing it all the time. No, it's just a part of what Jesus told us to do, and we want to honor it just like we honor all the other things. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Now there's notes for you on Facebook, and we'll put them up on the screen uh, or at the website. You can always get the notes. And last week I didn't get a chance to do it because I just was led of the Lord to preach an impromptu message, and I hope that you enjoyed it. And the video is online, and you can check it out. But I want to review some of the things that I've already talked about that you guys who weren't here the first week of September can get caught up. There's four things, uh, excuse me, three things I want to review. The gospel, what it means to be a disciple, and what it means to preach. These are things that we've already covered. And they have Greek words because the Bible was originally written in Greek. So I want you to understand the depth of what we're talking about. Somebody say the gospel. Thank you. The New Testament Greek word for gospel is evangelion, and it means good news. Can somebody say good news?
Thank you. So what are we preaching? We're preaching the what? The gospel, which is what? The good news. And we say it in Greek, evangelion. Thank you. And when we look at the gospel, it's a encompassing wide term that holds all of these other terms in it. So I wanted to give you a deep sentence. The gospel is the good news concerning God's glory and humanity's salvation by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now turn with me to Romans 1.16. I am not going to be taking a lot of time today in review, but I do want to do it thoroughly. I want you to look at these scriptures. So the gospel is a big term, good news. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's good news about God's glory, that God's going to get glory out of this, and it's good news for humanity, salvation, that we're not damned going to hell. Because our sin, we deserve judgment, but God is so loving that he saves us. That's why he gets glory and we get saved. Everybody say glory and salvation. I like to look at it like this. Jesus came and put one hand in the glory, the other in the gutter, and brought them together. Okay, not the other. Let me say other. Jesus put one hand in glory and the other in the gutter and brought the two together. God's glory and humanity's salvation. Everybody there? Think of the cross. You know the cross like this. Just make it real quick. Pretend like you're in some horror movie. Be back, Satan. No, just make the cross, okay? Watch this. The first part of the cross go like this. This is, this is Christ reaching the Father. He went to heaven. Then go like this. This is Christ reaching the world. See, there's something to remember whenever you see the cross. It goes up to heaven and it spreads out across the world. Oh, come on, somebody. Just helping you remember things to, to be effective. Now look at Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed. This is Paul talking. I am not ashamed of the gospel, the evangelion, the good news of Jesus. I'm not ashamed. Why? Because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who what? believes first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. So we shouldn't be ashamed of this gospel. We shouldn't be ashamed to talk about it. it. You know, you don't have to lose your job over it because I believe the most spiritual thing you can do on your job is your job, okay? And we're not at a time in our society where they can fire you over being a Christian. You have your civil rights and religious freedoms here. So I'm not saying be a jerk and just be stomping around waving your Bible. I came here to preach at Walmart this morning. Well, I came to preach, you know, at the court if you're a, a lawyer or something. No, do your job. But throughout your life, when people talk about sports, when they talk about their restaurants, when they talk about hooking up or doing whatever they do in life, you talk about God. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Don't feel like you are unworthy to share this message or that people making fun of you, it's going to affect you. Don't let it affect you. First of all, if they mock you, they're really mocking Jesus. You didn't walk up to your coworker and say, hey, I want to tell you about my life story. What do you think? And they go, oh, I hate your life story. No, it's not about you. Are you, are you listening? I don't care about your life. That would be really rude, right? But think about it. When you say, can I tell you about Jesus? And I don't want to hear about Jesus. Who are they being real rude to? Jesus. They're saying, I don't want to talk about him. I don't want to learn about him. Well, that's not the problem they have with you. That's the problem they have with Jesus. Uh, they'll shoot the messenger because of the message if they don't like what they're hearing. I guarantee you, if you wanted to talk to them about whatever they like, like the guy who likes football, if you go and talk to him tomorrow, hey, how do them bears do? He'll talk to you about, about football because that's what he likes. You talk to a woman about shopping, you know, sorry, ladies, that's my one example for women, shopping. And I think it does fit quite well, doesn't it? 
They'll talk about shopping. Well, if, if, if you talk about Jesus and they don't want to talk about Jesus, what does that mean? They don't care about Jesus. They care about these other things. So number one, don't be ashamed because of what people think. And then number two, don't think that you're not worthy to preach the gospel. Don't think to yourself, well, if I say this, they're going to think I'm a hypocrite or they're going to see that I've made mistakes in my life. No, an imperfect person preaching the gospel is the perfect person God wants. I'm going to say it again. Imperfect people are the perfect people God wants to preach the gospel. You are his messenger. You are. It, it is not some angel out of heaven. It's not like you're going to be on your job and be like, okay, I got a message for you. Hold on. Angel Gabriel, can you come down here real quick? <sighs> hey, Martha, just wanted to tell you about Jesus. She's really telling you the truth. Jesus is real. Okay, guys, see you later. It's not like the angel Gabriel comes down and delivers the message. Imperfect people are the perfect people to talk about Jesus. Here is what a hypocrite is. And a hypocrite is not an imperfect person because then we would all be hypocrites, right? It doesn't make any sense. A hypocrite is somebody who pretends to be somebody that they're not. Now, that is an issue. If you're pretending to not be a Christian or acting as if God is not important in your life and then you want to tell somebody else about Jesus, then that is a problem. But if Jesus is important in your life but you've made mistakes and made them right and you're working through the issues of your life and you're open and honest about it, well, then you're the perfect person that God wants to use. We shouldn't be feeling ashamed either because of what others will say about Jesus or ashamed about what they will say about us. That's what Paul is saying there. So don't be embarrassed. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be embarrassed. Amen. Just share your faith. Let's go back to the notes. That is the gospel, the good news about glory, uh, God's glory and humanity's salvation. Now, who are the people that are going to spread this message? We've just talked about one of their attributes, that they still make mistakes and they're not perfect. These people are called disciples. Everybody say disciples. Thank you. And in the Greek, it's called mathetes. Everybody say mathetes. And simply what that word means is they're student or pupils. They're student or pupils. So, so imagine being a student like we have Tony here, and he's going for physical therapy and different things, right? Am I, am I there? Okay. Imagine if he's on his job, and he's, you know, interning in his field, and if he's talking about what he learned in class, somebody's not going to be like, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. They're going to be like, oh, that's interesting. If they didn't know it, they're going to say, thank you for sharing it. If, if they doubt him, they can go back and look at the textbook and go, you know, Tony said, if I stretch my muscle this way, I'll make it feel better. Well, that's what the book says here. Physiologically, that will happen. So it's the same thing about being a student of Jesus Christ. It's not being a know-it-all saying, I know everything. Let me tell you everything I know, and I know everything. No, it's just, hey, uh, you and your girlfriend hooking up, you guys aren't married. Well, can I just tell you what Jesus said about that? Jesus said, you can't go to heaven doing that. You're dumb. You're stupid. No, I'm just a student of Jesus, and I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Look, read it in his writings. Right, right here. I'm just a student. You, you can read the, the textbook too. Does everybody understand that? You see, we're disciples, students of Christ, and we're simply sharing his message. If people don't believe it, they can go back to him and check it out. Now, sometimes people say that disciples judge them. No, there's, there's two wrong things with this idea of judgment. 
the first thing is, if you're doing the thing and you know you're doing the thing and I know you're doing the thing, there's no like false judgment here. You're guilty already of what you're doing, okay? So take that example of fornication. Like, don't you judge me. No, we're, we're not on Judge Judy right now. You were just talking about what you did last night and I'm just telling you what you did according to the Bible is wrong. So a lot of times what people say is don't judge me. What they're saying is don't be nosy. And, and that is true. We shouldn't be nosy into people's lives, you know, like, like let me see who they're sleeping with now or let me see if, how many drinks they had at the bar. Are you drunk yet? Are you drunk? Here's a breathalyzer. I want to see if you're drunk, you know. You smell a little bit like weed. You smoking weed. Hey, did you lie on your taxes? Hey, where's your green card? I'll call a migra. I'll call a migra right now. Where is your green not funny, Pastor. Not funny. Listen. <laughs> Let me just say, some of you are like laughing, but you're still like, no, it's not funny. So, you, no, we're not being, so when, when we're saying we're telling you about your sin, I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you what the judge said. Like, this is the law. Like, when a police officer pulls you over and says, hey, I clocked you going 85 here in a 60. Don't you judge me. Don't you judge me, Officer Brown. Who are you judging me? Uh, what planet are you from? I'm a police officer. You broke the law. You know what I'm saying? So it's the same thing with God. Like, don't you judge me. No, this is what you do. I'm just telling you what God said. And then the other thing about it, uh, you know, people want to say, well, we're all sinners. You know, we're, we all done wrong. You know, and that's true. So if they know they've done wrong and they get convicted when you're telling them something is wrong and then they want to say, well, we're all sinners, that doesn't change the fact that sinners are to be forgiven and to stop sinning. So it, it just imagine going back to the police officer example you know don't you judge me and he's like no I, I got you right here you know this is you were going 25 over and I'm a police officer you broke the law just the facts and then you look at him but everybody's a sinner everybody breaks the law does that change the police officer from giving you a ticket well I bet you speed police officer do you think that changes it Police officer, I bet you speed. You think he goes, well, you know what? You got me. I, you know what? You're right. I do speed. I can't write the ticket. What am I even doing here? As a matter of fact, why do we even have police officers? Because everybody messes up anyways. We shouldn't even have police. Or we shouldn't even have a law. We shouldn't. See, that's nonsense. No. When somebody says, well, we're all sinners, that's right. Good job. Right. We're all sinners. But here's the point. We're to be forgiven of our sins and we're to stop sinning. So I'm a sinner who's been saved by God's grace, made a saint, and I am working it out with Jesus Christ right now. Can you say the same thing? You see, that's the difference. Come on. Somebody say that's the difference. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. Does my head get red too while I preach? Because I know my face does. I don't know if anybody notices. Just curious. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. It was funny. When I first shaved my head, it was really, really bald. And uh, I sent it to my mom, and she was like, oh, why did you do that? You have such beautiful hair. And then I said to myself, you know, I just don't like hair, and I, and I want to do something different with my hair. And then I started thinking, what hair? I don't know why I'm talking about this, but you're turning into Scripture, right? And then I was like, I don't know what hairstyle I need to do. And then I was talking to my wife, like, what was the most manliest man that, like, I could imitate? And you know what? What is that guy's name? No, not Mr. Clean. John Stamos. John Stamos. I'm bringing back the Stamos look. Does anybody remember that? What was the name of that show? Full House. So if anybody sees John Stamos' long flowing hair, that's what I'm going back to. So you're going to be like, Pastor has nice hair. I'm going to get long flowing hair. Are you guys there in Matthew chapter 28? Whoever said Mr. Clean ain't cool. That ain't cool. 
Shh, you're not supposed to talk in church. Matthew chapter 20. Therefore, go and make church members of all the nations. Therefore, go and make sports teams in your churches of all the nations. Go and make choir members. See, the Bible is very clear about what we're supposed to make. Therefore, go and make what? Disciples of all nations. Make students of God's word. Students of God's word. Mathetes means a student, a pupil. How long does it last until you go to heaven and be with Jesus? Is anybody studying God's word today with me? Is anybody going to study God's word tomorrow? Does anybody want to learn from God until they go to heaven to be with Jesus? We are to be students of God's word. God's word teaches us how to have happy marriages, beautiful homes, and great lives. You know, when we put God first on our jobs and in our country and everything that we do in our schoolwork, young people, God will bless us. Be his student. Be a Christ follower everywhere you go. So my job, your job, is to be a disciple. And then once you're a disciple, you're supposed to go out and make what? Disciples, right? So therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Who is he talking to right there? Disciples, right? Peter was what? A John was a. So he says to these disciples, therefore, go and make. Somebody goes, aha, I get it. Yes. Disciples, go and do it. Let's check and see if that makes sense. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That's right. That's the God we believe in, one God in three persons. And teaching them to obey what? everything. Thank you. I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So he says to these disciples, now everything I've taught you, go out and teach others. You take the message that I have given you and give it to others. This is what we're all supposed to be doing. So the gospel is what? The good news. Amen. And disciples are what? Students. Students of Jesus Christ being taught and teaching others. Let's go back to the notes and let's look at three different words that the greek bible uses to say our one word preach or rather we we would call it preach proclaim evangelize but the greek is basically saying the same thing i'm going to teach you these three words everybody say preach now say caruso See, Caruso means to preach, as, as we would say, just simply speaking out loud about your faith. It's not necessarily with the microphone, just speaking out loud. You can preach on your job. You can preach with your friends and family in your home. Uh, the next word is proclaim, diangolo. Everybody say proclaim, and then say diangolo. Thank you. So you're being a good student of God's word today. You're learning. Proclaim is very similar to preach. Is everybody getting it? They're, they're not really that different. It's just... Greek words, like in the English words, are all saying the same thing but in a different way. Just like we would say a rock or a stone. It's the same thing. Preach, proclaim. Now, here's a word that's a little bit more obvious in what we're supposed to do, but it actually still means the same thing. And it's evangelize. Everybody say evangelize. And say evangelizo. Evangelizo. Now, turn with me to uh, Acts 8. Chapter 8 of the book of Acts, verses 4 through 5, and I just want to show you that we're all supposed to do this. Why am I taking the time on the words here? Is because if you're saying to yourself, I'm not supposed to do what you do, Pastor, every Sunday, you are right. This is a training time for you to go out and do your ministry. That is correct. But if you're saying, I'm not supposed to preach, no, now you're being disobedient. Oh, I'm not supposed to evangelize. No, that's incorrect. All Christians are to preach, proclaim, and evangelize. Can I hear an amen? Okay, look at Acts chapter 8, 4 through 5. It says, those who had been scattered did what? 
preach the word wherever they went. Does it say they just preached the word in church? Does it say they just preached the word in their home? Where did they preach the word, y'all? Wherever they went. One more time. Where did they preach it? Wherever they went. So where should you preach? Wherever you go, whatever you do in life should be an opportunity for you to share your faith in Jesus Christ. My mother led me to the Lord at her kitchen table. My mom was equipped with the gospel to be able to preach it to me when I was in need of salvation. We have stories of people in this church who have received the gospel at various times in their life. And right now I'd like to pause and ask our leader of evangelism to come up and share with you how he heard the story preached, proclaimed, evangelized to him. Can you guys give it up for the one, the only, Pastor Jared Walker? Amen. Thank you for that intro. Um, here's a little secret about me. You're going to be really surprised. Uh, before I was saved, I wasn't saved. Um, I gave my life to Jesus about six years ago. This November will be six years. And uh, at that time in my life, uh, I was agnostic. You know, I believed in a higher power, but didn't have any particular religion. And I was a weirdy. And some people say, man, you're being hard on yourself. No, I was a weirdy. Like the way I carried myself, <sighs> breathing heavy, I made people uncomfortable, you know. And, and that was just my disposition. I was a mean, angry, sad fella. And uh, I had a lot of sin in my life. I was doing things and I was into stuff that I won't even mention in mixed company. I was a sinner. And um, just one day out of the blue, I was walking uh, in my neighborhood, in this neighborhood, to get some cigarettes at the gas station. And there's this group of young people on the opposite side of the street coming my way. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on this side of the street. Let's say I'm on the east side of the street. They're on the west side of the street. I'm going uh, south on, on the street. They're going north. And they're walking in my direction, and they're looking at me. I'm like, what are they looking at? I mean, they don't look like thugs, but, you know, still, like, what are they doing? You know, mugging me. And then they start walking my way. They, they crossed over to my side of the street. I'm like, what's going on here? This isn't normal. And uh, I don't remember exactly how the conversation went, but they told me about Jesus, and they invited me to their church. It was, the, and it was this church. Amen? That was a Friday night. I went to their youth group, and I heard the gospel preached. And I saw people worship God, and I heard them speak in tongues, and it was just amazing to see these on-fire Christians. But still, I, I had my reservations, I had my doubts, and um, I wasn't fully committed. So that was Friday night. I went to service. During the service, they announced Saturday night, we're going out to Belmont and Clark. Hey, the freaks come out at night. The freaks come out at night. Okay. So we say, hey, we're going to Belmont and Clark tomorrow. Meet us here. And I'm still agnostic. I'm still a little stubborn in my ways. But I'm thinking, hey, this might be interesting. I, I can't really tell you what compelled me to go, but I, I decided to go. And, and Pastor Joe said, hey, you know, you're not a Christian. You don't really have a message, but, but you can, you can uh, observe. You can hang out if you really want to. It's kind of a new situation to have, a sinner evangelizing. And so we go to Belmont and Clark and... and Long story short is just in the midst of other people witnessing and seeing how, how they were loving on people and seeing how they were reaching people with Jesus Christ, it really spoke to me. And we were talking to one guy, and I just blurred, and he was telling me all his friends were dead. He had this whole cock and bull story. And, and at the end of it, I say, well, Jesus is alive. He says, all my friends are dead. Well, I say, Jesus is alive. And I'm like, man, did I just say that as an agnostic? Because if Jesus was real, I understood, man, I had to live for him. He was the only game in town. 
You know, I couldn't just not live for Jesus. And I was still a little stubborn. And so that was Saturday night. And then Sunday morning, I go to church. And that weekend, my life completely changed. I, I just kind of gave up my stubborn will and said, Jesus, I got to follow you. I got to live for you. And, and just to fast forward, yes, he, uh, he has introduced me as the leader of our evangelism. We've done a lot of ministry here in the city, graduated Bible college with a bachelor's going for the master's in biblical studies so that I can equip others. And God has been good. He's given me a beautiful wife and son. But I tell you what, it all started about six years ago, and I was not your type A church guy. It all started with some disciples being obedient to preach the gospel. It was before a youth group. How many youth do we have here? You go out before Elevate, and, and you invite people, and that's just what they did. And again, I'm not your type A church guy. I don't like, you know, like, like the faux hawk and everything like some of these handsome guys have. And, and that's like that's the, the person we're going, no, I was the weirdy. I was the last person you want to talk to about Jesus. Like, you might bite me. But they were obedient. And they said, listen, we're out here. We, we want to bring people to Jesus. It doesn't matter. He loves them all. And they invited me. My life was changed from that point on. And, and I just owe it to, to obedient gospel preaching disciples. That's, that's my story in short. Praise God. Come on. So if we look at the review, the gospel is the good news about Jesus. Disciples are students who are going out proclaiming that message for all to hear. Uh, Andrew, would you please put up the other blog? It's right there to the side as well. It's called The Great Evangelical Recession. This is so important that we all do this today because America is changing. We're losing our values, and we're seeing it expressed in the violence on the streets, the perversion in the entertainment, and the greed in our politics. How many are just tired of seeing corruption everywhere you go, murder, everybody just looking out for themselves? You know why? It's because we're no longer trusting in God. We're no longer a people that looks after our neighbors. I remember one time I was living with a guy, and uh, I mean, uh, um, he was living in the apartment in front of me, and I came home one day, and my apartment was broken into, and man, I was like all scared, man, because I was living in the hood, so I went and knocked on my neighbor's door, and I'm like, man, you, you got to come over to my house, man. Somebody broke in. I want to make sure I'm safe coming in this place. You know, Maybe they're still there. I'm just freaking out. This is when I lived in New Orleans, and uh, we're, we're going through everything, and I'm like, okay, man, at least they didn't take my phone, you know, because I put my phone under my bed here, and they didn't take some of the money that I have. Okay, it's in a good place. Well, the next day, my house got broken into again, and then my phone was gone, and my money was gone, and I'm like, think it to myself the literally the only person that would know that I put my phone here and my money here is my neighbor now I had some clothes that I used to get dry clean because this was before I had Nancy my beautiful wife right there boop through boot taking care of her man so I had to always get my clothes dry clean and single men you know what I'm talking about you always got your clothes pressed and shirts and my shirts would always come with the tag at the bottom where the woman would put in the pen you know and I'd have to take it out and so I go to knock on my neighbor's door he comes answering the door with my shirt on my neighbor has my shirt on and I'm like, dude, you got my shirt on. He's like, no, I ain't got your shirt. I'm like, yes, you do. And I go right to the part where the label goes. I go, here it is. This is where the label goes. Here's the pin. You know this is my shirt. So he runs. He bolts out past me, goes down the street. He just runs away. He's a younger guy. You know, he's probably in his 16, 17. I'm in my 20s. And then the mom's going, what's going on? I go, your son broke into my house, not once, but he broke into my house twice. 
My friends, our neighbors don't take care of us like they used to. We don't live in a culture where Jesus and his values are in the hearts of people. We need to see what the difference is. Can I tell you what I believe the difference is? We're no longer God-fearing. We're no longer sharing our faith and publicly making it known. Would you scroll up because I want people to see this stat today. I want you to understand that the stats that we're seeing in the church, and you can zoom in and make it a little bit large if you could, please. What we're seeing is unprecedented in America right now at the problems that we're facing. You see big churches are growing, and sometimes these great churches are doing wonderful things. But statistics are saying that these churches, three out of four of the new people that they're getting, are actually coming from other churches. So we're not really seeing the growth that we think that we're seeing. People are just church hopping. But here's the thing that disturbs me, and I think you know this, young people, already, and might be uh, shocking to parents, but I think even Chicagoans probably already know this, that right now 3.7 million uh, uh, evangelicals between 18 and 29, basically 18 and 30, out of that 3.7 million in America, they are estimating that 2.6 million will leave the faith, over 260,000 each year. Over 260,000 of our young people are losing their faith in God, and they say over the next few years that we will lose the great majority of them. Now, ask yourself this question. If you're between the age of 18 and 30, do your friends consider the Bible to be their moral code in life? Now, those of you who have teenagers, think about that. 18 to 30, do they think the Bible is the moral code in life? Here's another question. Do the people that are between this age group, young adults, do they believe that Jesus Christ alone is the only way to heaven? The majority of Americans, especially in our young generation, these are our future leaders. These are the ones that are going to be making the decisions. And many of you here are in that age group, have left the Bible for the moral code and have left the Christian faith. Well, what do you think that gives us now in its place? Do you think the void just remains empty in our culture? No, we fill it with other ideas. The reason why Miley Cyrus does what she does is because she doesn't value what the Bible says about purity. The reason why the businessman Enron stole all that money from the people and had no compassion on all of the retirement of the people. The reason and why they did that is because they loved money more than they loved God. Now ask yourself this question. Who am I in this generation? Or let's keep going through these seven questions. But ask yourself, am I a person making a difference? Or am I a part of the problem? Look at question number one. Ask yourself these. When was the last time I led someone personally to the Lord? So are you a part of the problem? Or are you a part of the solution? When was the last time I led somebody personally to the Lord? Maybe write this down. Number two, when was the last time I spoke to a stranger about the gospel? Somebody I didn't know to inform them about the good news of Jesus Christ. When was the last time my church equipped me to publicly preach the gospel in my community? Today, amen? So you got that one check. Number four. When was the last time my pastor and church leadership did what Jesus and the apostles did and shared their faith on his, uh, shared his or her faith on the streets, in the parks, or in public without a stage or microphone? And your church is doing that as well, amen? How about these back to you? Number five, when was the last time I wept for lost souls? When was the last time you actually cared that people didn't know Jesus? Do you believe it in heaven and hell? Then that means people you know are going to hell. When was the last time that broke your heart? 
When did it bother you last time to the point where you had to cry and say, Jesus, this breaks your heart, but now it breaks mine. Help me reach my neighbor. Give me the words to say to the people on the street. Give me the words to say to my student, to, to my child's friends that go to the high schools. When was the last time? Number six, when was the last time you saw a miracle or demon cast out or a spiritual gift occur in the public with somebody you didn't know, with the lost? You see, God gave us signs and wonders to cast out devils, to heal the sick, or to speak into people's lives. You know, many times when I speak to them, God will give me a word of knowledge. And we've talked about spiritual gifts here. And they'll say, how did you know that about me? And I say, God knew that about you. That's why he sent me to preach to you. And then number seven, when was the last time you read the book of Acts? That book in the Bible, Acts of the Apostle. Is it called the book of sleep? The sleeping of the apostle bedside assembly with brother sheets and sister pillows. Does anybody wish they were there this morning? I go to bedside assembly, pastor. No, the book of Acts, not the book of sleeping. It's not the book of chilling. It's the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. When was the last time you read it? You read that book in the Bible and you walked away convicted for personal revival and for community revival. You walked away going, oh man, there's so much more. There's so much more to this God thing. You know, I can always tell when people have stopped reading their Bible and stopped hanging around with Jesus because they get so dry. And then when they get dry spiritually, they complain. And when you ask them to do something for God, they go, oh, I've already done that. Oh, I don't need to read my Bible anymore. The problem is, is that you've left the true water of life and you filled your soul on the junk food of this world. And that's why you don't want the taste of heaven anymore. But for those of us who love the taste of heaven, we understand not one bottle is enough, not one bucket is enough. We want the ocean of God's glory and the ocean of his power. There's so much more. There's so much more that God is giving. All we have to do is ask. If you're bored with church, it's because you're boring and you've left the Lord. Come to church excited, saying, I want to see the book of Acts here today. I want to see people healed. I want to see people with evil have it leave their life. I want to see God use me to reach my neighbors. These nine questions, uh, seven questions, I believe, will give you your heart. But the stats are undeniable. Let me show you the stats. 95% of all Christians have never won someone to the Lord. The gospel is good news. It's for everybody. Disciples are students of Christ. They're supposed to be learning and teaching it to others, preach, proclaiming, and evangelizing. We're supposed to be doing it. But 95% of people have never won anybody to the Lord. 80% of Christians never even share their faith. That's why we're trying to help you right here. Start with the book. Start with the flyer. I love my brother David. He wears the Chicago for Jesus shirt wherever he goes. Literally three people, I believe if the third came from you, the two have already wrote me and a third one just texted me because they keep seeing brother David wear a Chicago for Jesus shirt around this city. If it starts with a shirt or starts with you handing this out to someone on the train, I, I, I think uh, Isis, uh, Iris, Iris led somebody to the Lord on the train, right? Amen. Don't get upset with Iris because we got a beautiful uh, uh, Isis, a beautiful young girl named Isis too. Amen. So I got two of you to remember. Amen. So the, trying to just gloss over. I missed the name. Anyways, um, if, if you hand this out, start a conversation. If you wear a shirt, but 80% of people are not even sharing their faith. You see, if you wear that shirt, somebody's going to talk to you. They're going to be like, what's up with that? Now you got to share your faith. 
Look at the next stat. Only 2% of Christians are active in evangelism ministries at their church. So out of the average church, and we're not an average church, the average church, 98 of the people out of 100, so we got about 100 people here. If this was an average church, 98 of you would not be going to evangelism, only two of you. There was a woman that goes to a church of 800 people, and she's working with us and doing evangelism, and, and she came to me. She said, out of 800 people, we did an outreach, only about 10 to 15 came. I said, wow, that's awesome. I said, it's more than 2%. You got about 10% there. You're doing pretty good. And then she was like, well, how many do you guys have? Well, sometimes we have 80 to 100 when we do Boricua Fest. That's our big thing. And she was like, oh, my goodness. How in the world do you get almost 80% of your church to do evangelism? And I said, well, it's because we don't do membership. We do discipleship. And, and please put up the vision, sir, so everybody can see it if you didn't hear it this morning. The, the vision is loving God, loving people, and how do we do that? Through our strategy of connect, mentor, send. And I said to her, I said, everybody's asked to do this. Now, there's people in our church that don't do it, but the majority of them do it. They go into the 101, the 201, and they get trained to start a life group and reach people for Jesus. And you know what uh, I told her? And I said, you can't be a leader in our church unless you do that. And you know what she said? I'm going to go talk to my pastor about that. But how many know what that conversation may go like when she talks to her pastor? 800 people in the church, only 10 or 15 showing up for evangelism, and she goes back to her pastor, Pastor, hey, I got an idea. Let's not do any membership here. Let's not give out any uh, leader positions unless they go evangelizing. What do you think she'll find out? She'll probably find out what most pastors know is that when you start training your people, you're not going to have as many of them. Did Jesus have 5,000 disciples? How many people did he have as disciples? 12 minus Judas, then we had 11. How many were in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit to be sent out? 120. At the end of Jesus' three-year life, miracles galore, feeding the 5,000, feeding the people, walking on water. The man walked on water. Raised people from the dead. 120. 120. You see, woe unto us when all men speak well of our churches. It's probably because we're not giving somebody, uh, uh, giving them a challenge. We're not here to be people pleasers to you. I'm not here to just make you walk away going, my pastor talked to me, he made me laugh, he challenged me a little bit, and I'm going to go home and be a better husband. That's wonderful if you get that out of our church. But the number one priority of all of us here is to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And the moment I start talking like this, God forbid, you know what begins to happen? People say, but that's the Jehovah Witnesses. Those are those guys. Yes, and guess what? They're right. In one thing, we should be preaching the gospel. God forbid if our biggest example in our culture of people who preach the gospel is a cult. Do you understand that? When was the last time you rode your bike somewhere like a Mormon to go tell somebody about Jesus? When was the last time you knocked on somebody's door? As a matter of fact, my friend, he's converted from Jehovah Witnesses. He's coming out with a new book called Can I Get a Witness? And in his book, Can I Get a Witness, he talks about how he came to Christianity and it's a blessing and all the things God has done. But the disappointment is it's nobody has the zealousness or for the most part the church has lost the zeal to go out and do what they did as a cult he saw one of my stats and he said joe you're going to love my book because i want to provoke god's people to go and be christ's witnesses 
Go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, please, as I read the rest of these statistics. But I want you to see it. Look at your neighbor and say, this is just the introduction. Just the introduction. I'm not telling a lie. I promise you it only is. But I'm going to go fast because I got 12 things I want to go over with you real quick. But let me go through this real quick, too. Acts 1, verse 8. 63% of leadership, including elders and deacons, have never won somebody to the Lord on the streets. Think about that. Six out of ten people in the church, a leadership, haven't done it. 49% of leadership ministries have, uh, 49% of leadership, that's over half of the people in church leadership like myself, don't even minister outside of the church. 89% of the leadership says they would, but they're too busy, so they want to. But now watch this as you're looking at the scripture. 99% of church pastors all agree that every Christian should go evangelize. So where is the disconnect? Is we're not expecting our people to do it anymore. We're not actually training them and expecting them to do what Jesus said. I'm not saying we're the only ones. I'm just here asking you to be obedient, and we're not giving you a workaround around it. The only workarounds you have is the church down the road because this church is not changing. If you want to be a part of Metro Praise, you will connect, mentor, and send. If you want to come around for the preaching, you're more than welcome to do so. You can hear me preach, but you will get tired of that. That vision eventually and there's a lot of empty seats because of people like yourself who left but we kept on chugga chugga choo choo we will keep going with or without you but the beautiful thing is is when we do it with you we change the world because let me just say this, you will be judged by what I said. You may find a pastor and say, well, that's not, what, that's not really what Jesus said. No, what I am telling you is what Jesus said. This is the gospel. You are commanded to be a disciple that makes other disciples, and you are to preach, proclaim, and evangelize it everywhere you go without being ashamed, and judgment will come one day. Acts 1.8, look there, and let's get encouraged. Somebody say, encourage me. I'm trying. Here we go. But you will receive Come on, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be able to get up in the morning and go to church. It's so hard coming to church. I got to get my kids. I got to get the car. I need power, Jesus. I can do it. That's all I hear from a lot of church people. Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard coming to church on a Sunday. I have to go into my air-conditioned car. I have to drive on these paved streets. I have to sit on a padded chair in an air-conditioned room. It is so hard. That's what I need power for, Jesus. Give me power. Power that I can go to church. Is that what he said? He didn't say that, you spiritual weakling. Come on, man up. Gets you some spiritual cojones. Can I say that here? Get a spiritual backbone, man. Get us, get God to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire so that you can go into the world and be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Come on, man or woman of God. You know what I'm talking about. My wife will rebuke me for that, but you know what I'm talking about. Let's do this thing. Let's stop acting like we don't have the power. He gave us the power. He said as much power as you want, he'll give to you to fulfill his command to go and change the world. And as we go back to the notes, I want you to hear my heart today. 
You'll be the best father when you put God's kingdom first. He said in Matthew 6, Seek ye first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I can only speak from my personal experience. My father loved the gospel. My dad owned many businesses, but he always loved the gospel. He would share his faith wherever he would go. My mom would, it was a homemaker, and she would bring in friends and share the faith over coffee talk. They would do outreaches in their church. They still do to this day, the church my parents go to. But I would go to feed the needy, to go door to door and hand out groceries. I never saw my dad's life uh, suffer in his job and income. As a matter of fact, the more it seemed like he gave to the Lord, it was more that the Lord gave back to him. But it, that doesn't mean my, my family had a yellow brick road, no. My dad lost one of his businesses. It was the hardest time of his life. But yet he didn't give up. He didn't blame it on God in the church. That was actually the joy of his life through his hardships, through his problems, was the fact that he could help others because he had hope. He knew the scriptures and that God would make a way for him. I can only speak from my own experience and then now raising my children. I've never seen God, uh, God's people begging for bread. He always provides a way for them. The Bible says he gives them the desires of their heart. I've seen God take care of me and move me from a two-bedroom uh, apartment to a beautiful house that I live in to be able to go back and get my master's degree. I've seen it with people in this church. Chris and Monique, re raise your hands. I've seen them going from living in their grandma's house to having beautiful jobs. He works for the postal service now. You know that's a good job. And they had their first Bible study this Friday in that beautiful apartment with the table spread out for their guests with food. Can you say Amen. Amen. God takes care of his people. You may say, well, I'm struggling now. Well, let this be a testimony to you. God will provide. Don't give up. All of us go through struggles, but God will provide. So do your job. Be, your be the best father, the best mother. Do all that you do, the Bible says, unto the Lord. But don't be ashamed of his message. That's all God is asking from us. He's just asking that this is the light of our life. That when people ask us, why is there a pep in, a, in our step? Why is that frown turned upside down when they hang around us? Right? Because we love Jesus. Let them see the reason that you have a hope within you. Can I hear an amen? Here's four easy ways to share the gospel. God, man, Jesus, and faith. Everybody say it with me. One, two, three. God, man, Jesus, and faith. Here's how you do it. Just a real simple way. We have, we have the born-again way, and I'm showing you another way right here. There's just simple ways for you to share your faith. The first way here, God, the Bible says God created the earth, the universe, everything in it, and he created man in his own image. And that man was given self-identity and freedom. Everybody raise your left hand. Raise your left hand. Now, I'm going to tell you to put it down, but you just be rebellious, and you don't put it down. Put down your left hand. See, you can do that. Now put it down whenever you want. Just be sassy with it. I'll just put it down now. See, that's when I, no, I'm going to put it back up. Put it back down. You got free will. You've got free, you choose when that hand goes up and down. You can listen or you can disobey when parents teach you or on your job. But the biggest lesson we get from the Bible about God is he said don't and we said we shall. He said don't eat the tree and we did eat the fruit from the tree. So what happened? We got kicked out. We suffered loss. Is it God's fault that there's evil in this world? No, it's the choices of men, the choices of the human race. Jesus came to die for those sins, as we'll see. So, number one, God created us, self-identity. We get to know ourselves. Does anybody know yourself? Come on, just be real quiet right now, but say hi to yourself in your mind. Hmm. Ask yourself how you're doing. 
How are you doing? Hmm. Ask yourself what you want to do when I get done preaching. See, we can think to ourselves. That's why we can eat animals, because animals can't do that. Animals don't have a conscious mind. That's why we can eat animals. We learned that last week. We are here to subdue the animals of the world because there's not a dog thinking to itself, well, it feels good to be a dog today. I like being a dog. You know, I like drinking and doing whatever they do, you know, drinking the water. No, dogs don't have a conscious mind. You have a self-identity, a conscious mind, and you have freedom. And what happened? Man willingly sinned against God. And now you can test that theory. When you had a child, those of you who are parents, and your child was two or three, did you teach them to lie or did they lie on their own? Where did the ability to lie come from? It's like, who's teaching you how to do that, Lucas? Is it some babysitter when I'm not looking is telling you to be disobedient? Can't blame it on the children's ministry, right, because they're teaching them the things of Christ. So where does that come from? Lucas, he's standing away from the the office door when when, uh, Nancy brings him down in the morning. And I say, come on, Lucas. And he has his finger in his mouth, and and he doesn't want to come. And I go, come on. And he doesn't come, so I have to give him a da-da. And then he comes. Well, what made him be stubborn that day? wasn't my haircut come on because i had hair right that does day but but after i did get my haircut he was a little afraid he was like mm, and i was like should i give him a dada no 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 don't do that he's scared of you right now then they touch it and they're like oh i like it then i have to stop then i have to tell him stop touching right I have to, they don't want to keep touching my hair but who taught that to lucas that spirit of disobedience all of a sudden i hear about in the children's room uh just a couple uh last week or something uh bethany goes in and goes guess what everybody yesterday was my birthday and then children's worker am i telling the truth here uh, uh jessica children's worker saying her happy birthday saying her happy birthday and then she goes no it really wasn't my birthday and then hannah said it was my birthday did they sing to her as well then they sing to hannah both of my children lied god have mercy on pastor's kids (laughs) neither one of them it's december in march it's not their birthday but they went into the children's room telling them it was their birthday And don't let them see you laugh because they'll think it's funny because we had to say, don't you do that. And I was like, oh, gosh, it's too funny. (laughs) Seriously, sometimes I have to turn away because I'm laughing so hard. What is wrong with these kids? Where did they get it from? Mommy. They got it from mommy. I figured it out now. That's the one they're with all the time, right? No, they don't get it from mommy. They get it from their own evil heart. Even though God is merciful to them, he says, children, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So all of us with parents of beautiful childhood, we don't have to fear what happens if they were to die. We don't baptize them as children because Jesus never did. We only are doing what Jesus did. But he said, don't worry about them. It's okay. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It belongs to them. They, they haven't been responsible for those decisions yet. But there's a time in our life where we do become responsible. And then we keep on sinning, don't we? Many of us do. Most of us do. We, we know we're responsible for what we're doing. We know we shouldn't lie, shouldn't take things that don't belong to us. We shouldn't lust after other people that we're not married to or husbands, you know, cheating on their wives with their eyes, you know, and, and wives, you know, same thing. We know we shouldn't, but we keep doing it. Why? Because man has sinned. But here's the good news. Everybody say the good news. Amen. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that he could bear the judgment of God for sinners. Without the justice of God being paid upon Jesus Christ, justice would have never have been paid. 
Sometimes people give me an example and they say, well, why couldn't God just say, I forgive you of your sins? Why did he have to send Jesus? And the example is, imagine if you owe me 10 bucks and then uh, I say, ah, oh, don't worry about it. You don't have to pay me back. I didn't have to sacrifice an animal and say, because you owe me $10, this animal dies and I pour out the blood of this animal. Now you're forgiven. But what is the difference between us and God? Why does God in the Old Testament kill animals to wash us of sin and then have Jesus? Jesus be the Passover lamb. Isn't that a deep thought, right? Couldn't God just say to us, be forgiven. It's okay. Let's just call it even now, right? We're all good. The problem with that is, is at the very beginning, he said, if you eat of this tree, you will die. You see, now we have a problem with God's justice. He set up a system at the very beginning that said, if you disobey me, you must die. He didn't have to say that. He could have made up another set of rules. God could do that, possibly. We could say possibly God could do that, but he did not. So the moment man sinned, what happened? They began to die inwardly. And now without a death of an innocent, a sacrifice of an innocent animal or of a person, that justice would be served upon their eternal soul. Why? Because God said if you eat of it, you'll die. Not just your body, but your soul will perish. It's the same word, die and perish, relate to each other. You know, John three sixteen, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, shall not die eternally. So why did Jesus have to come? Jesus had to die for us, but yet without sin. So Jesus had no sin, but yet he dies. And so what does that do? That now takes the place of all of us who are supposed to die because of our sins. And then our Savior, Jesus, who took our sins, the the Father placed upon him all the sins of the world. This is why we believe the sun turned black at 3 in the afternoon, and he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because God the Father placed on him our sin, the wrath that we deserved was placed on him. Are you with me? But he didn't stay dead after he died. He said it is finished, breathed his last breath. But he was buried, and then he rose again from the dead because he was innocent. Anybody ever see uh, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe? They kill Aslan, the lion, but then he comes back to life. C.S. Lewis using there the example of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus died innocently without sin, The grave could not hold him down. He had to live because only sin brings death. But he didn't have sin of his own. He took it for us. So once that was forgiven, life came back to him. He raised himself from the dead, not raised by someone else. The Bible says he himself lays down his life and he raises it up again. Then our Savior said this was the message we were to teach to the whole world. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever what? Believes in him shall not what? Perish but have eternal life. So there's the message. So the Savior sets the rules. After he died and took our sins, he could have said, whoever eats Snickers bars on Sunday gets to go to heaven with me. He could have said, whoever prays five times a day facing this place can go to heaven with me. Whoever gets little wafers put in their mouth and says secret things in a little dark closet to a man listening can get to go to heaven. Whatever he would have said, we would have had to have done. Are you listening? We would have had, If he would have said, make this a holy cow and never kill it and be a vegetarian and go mm, all day long, we would have had to do it. But our Savior, the one who redeemed us, said, this is how you get salvation from me, by believing. 
So now it's his way or no way because you've already sinned. You can't present yourself before God innocent. You, go, you die now. Your soul will go before God. If you have no Savior, no blood of Jesus to wash you, you'll stand in your own righteousness, which is really unrighteousness. It says filthy rags to God, and he will put you out of heaven, and you will perish for eternally in hell. The last thing you'll hear him say is, depart from me, for I never knew you. Isn't that a scary thought? But if you come to heaven and you're with Jesus and you've put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says that he's wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life. He's reserved you a place in heaven by his own blood. And when the Father sees you, what does he see? The righteousness of Jesus Christ. And over your sins, what does he see? Stamped, forgiven. You're forgiven, not because of what you have done, but because what Jesus has done. And on Judgment Day, it's too late to ask to believe in Jesus, to be saved, because belief is not what you see. It's what we don't see that we believe in. I don't have to believe in this water bottle. So the Bible says we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. So those who think when they're there, they go, oh, guess what, Jesus? I got a surprise for you before you say what you got to say. I believe in you now. He's going to say, no, it's not faith. You didn't believe. Depart from me. Everybody get it? So if you think you're going to make it right on judgment day, it's already too late. Salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Can I have someone please come and play the piano and remind me that I need to stop soon? Because I'm not to the seven points yet that I want to talk about. And I really want to talk about those seven points. Can I at least read them to you? I've waited two weeks to share with you these notes. Two weeks. All I think about is this. Okay, no, the last thing. We're not even ready. We just go right down to faith. Right there. Oh, we did talk about faith, so we're good. Everybody say God. Everybody say man. Jesus Christ. Faith. Y'all got that? Okay, so you guys can take a look at that if you want more scriptures. Here's seven things that happen when you get in contact with the gospel. You believe the good news. You believe what I just talked about. You believe God created you. You're not an atheist. You believe in God. You believe that you're a sinner and that Jesus died for sins and you put your faith in Jesus. Can I tell you seven things that God does for you? Here they are. Number one, new creation. Everybody say new creation. Your heart is changed. Your soul is changed. On the inside, something instantly changes. We call it your soul, your spirit, your mind, will, and emotions is changed. You know that you know on the inside you're new. November 5th, 1995, I became a new person. I was born again. Does anybody relate to that in here? You know, sometimes they they think that we as preachers, we manipulate you. You know what I love about Jesus is I don't have to just force it on you. You can go home and discover it yourself. You know what I'm talking about. Because we know the difference between our religion and our relationship, don't we? If I passed around this microphone and I said, tell me about how you got born again, would not a lot of you here say that you were religious before you had a relationship? So you know the difference. Many of you would say, yeah, I grew up in church or I used to go to this church and I would hear the preaching or my parents would talk to me about it, but I wasn't right. I knew it wasn't where where I was. I knew I wasn't where I was supposed to be. But you knew when you repented 
there was just a night and day difference. Did you not experience that? Is anybody saved here? I'm just wondering. Okay, I'm not alone. I know it's late, but can I get some help here? I'll get done sooner if you help me preach. Amen. I look at my wife. She was the opposite. When I tell my testimony, drugs, you know, and all these things, people are like, thank God you got saved. And they're even atheists. They're like, thank God. I'm just happy for you. Glad it worked. Glad it worked for you. But then when I hear my wife's testimony, it's totally opposite. I was a good girl, did great in school, always obeyed my parents, came home on time, was in college, was a good kid, but I knew I wasn't right with God. Then it makes them scratch their head. Hmm, what, what, what do you mean? How were you not right with God? You were a good kid. You obeyed your parents. You went to church. You did this. See, she wasn't born again. She knew that she had a religion, but she didn't have a relationship. When you come to Christ, you're a new creation. Number two, you're redeemed. You receive redemption. Redemption means to buy back or release from legal obligation. There's a powerful story about redemption. There was a time in American slavery when um, they were auctioning off some people at the shores when they would come off the boats down in the south somewhere in New Orleans. And they had this one woman there. And they had stripped her, and they were treating her like she was an animal. And they were lifting up her gums and looking at her teeth and lifting up her arms and touching her in places they shouldn't. And they started the bidding. And this was an attractive African-American woman, and the bidding is skyrocketed. It started getting high, $100, $150. And a man was walking by, and he saw this going on, and he was so disgusted by what he saw. It just hit him. He was from the north, and he had never seen slave trading like this before. He was just visiting in the city. And he just saw these men with perversion in their eyes, that he knew that these men were going to rape her, mistreat her, and her life was going to be tormented. And the story goes that as they were at 200, 300, he shouted out, $1,000, 1000 And at that moment, everybody just gasped. Oh, she's not worth that. You can have her. And he walked over and he paid for her. She was putting on her clothes. And then she just spat right in his face. Because she just thought, man, this man is going to torment me. And he walks her down to the courthouse that day. They don't speak language, obviously. He doesn't understand her. She doesn't understand him. But he walks down to the courthouse and he says, how much would it cost to buy this woman her freedom? They say the amount for her to become a citizen. He buys her her freedom and says, I have bought you to set you free. She didn't understand. As he was taken off the chain, she she thought he was going to rape her. She tried to fight back and scratch him. And finally, he found another African slave. And, and, and he said, communicate to her. I've bought her to set her free. And then they communicate and tears start streaming down her eyes. And I wonder to myself about this story. How many of us are being abused by the devil being slave traded from one addiction to another addiction by Satan and his demons, being taken over by depression, being taken over by sexual perversion, being abused by Satan. And Jesus says, I will buy you to set you free. 
But yet when we hear the gospel, we don't understand it. We, we don't know what he's doing. And we actually spit on Jesus. And we say, I don't want that gospel because you're going to take away my freedom. You're going to tell me what friends to have. You're going to tell me what I can't do. I don't want that. But we're not understanding what he's saying. And then what he does is he sends somebody to us that can speak to us in a way we can hear to testify to us. And they say, he set me free. It's for freedom. He's bought you with a price, redeems you so you can go free. Sin is your enemy and he is your God. Can I hear an amen? That's just redemption. Number three, reconciliation. Can you say that? Reconciliation. Reconciliation means to bring peace between two parties. As I said before, Jesus put in one hand to glory, the other in the gutter. This was because we were separated from God. Jesus Christ brought us now to the Father, to where he calls us his children, and we can cry back out to him, Abba, Daddy. Daddy, Father, when Jesus said these words, pray like this, our Father which art in heaven, he just blew everybody's mind. You know why? Because only Jewish people thought God was their Father. But he was saying to the Greeks, he was saying to the Romans, he was saying to all the people of the world, if you believe in me, if you follow what I'm teaching, God becomes your Father. You're not a second-class citizen in heaven anymore. We have a Father. Hey, you ever remember the Lord's Shepherd? But did you ever catch that last part at the end that's a little bit weird? He says, the Lord's my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still and quiet waters. You know that part? Re you know, in the restore my soul leads me in paths of righteousness, you know, and yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I shall fear no evil, for his rod and staff, they come for me. You all remember that? He, he provides a table before me in the presence of my enemy. He anoints my head with oil. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You all remember that? But did you all ever catch this last part at the end? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Did you guys catch that? There's a sheep in heaven right now. You see, God said to his creation, I'm bringing you in. You ever bring a sheep inside? You think farmers got that? I guarantee you they got that. They understood that God was no longer treating us as a dirty, smelly animal. He was reconciling us. He was saying like that prodigal son, you don't have to be out disowned anymore. You can come and be on the inside. You can be in my house. I will be your God and you will be my child. The next thing the Bible is, uh, teaches us is atonement. Everybody say atonement. Atonement means that he pays the price for our sins. And I've talked to you about that today. But I want you to see this clearly. If you don't have Jesus pay the price for your sins, there is not enough good works or religious things you can do to ever make up for your sins. His justice said, if you sinned, you must surely die. But the Bible says he becomes the atoning sacrifice, listen to this, for not only our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Do you know that Jesus died for people's sins even though they don't receive his salvation? That's how good he is. He's a generous, overcoming God. When they stand before him on judgment day, he will tell them, there is no reason why your sins couldn't be forgiven, just like Joe's and somebody else's. Your sins are not forgiven, not because of my fault, but because you refused my atonement. Could you imagine right now, those of you who own mortgages and credit card debt, could you imagine right now uh, Obama, President Obama saying, I clear all debt in America right now. 
All you have to do is go to the courthouse and sign these papers. Could you imagine somebody losing their home for a debt that was already paid simply because they didn't go and get the document signed? Could you imagine? That would be foolishness, would it not? Would it not be foolishness? And the Bible says, the fool hears the words of God and does not do what it says. It's like that man who builds his house on sand. And when the rains and storm come, wash it away. For you to hear this and not do it, you would be like a fool. But for those who hear the word and do what it says are wise, like the man who builds his house on a foundation. And when the storms and wind come, his house remains. Don't be a fool. Look at your neighbor and say, Mr. T said, he pitied a fool. Amen. The next word that we see here is that number five, you bring salvation to save from destruction. Sometimes we think about the gospel when I'm preaching, you know, I'm on the streets and I'm like, hey, do you have a moment to talk about Jesus? They're like, no, I'm too busy. I'm like, yeah, you're just cutting back on Jesus. You got enough for the day? You know, it's like sometimes people think about Jesus like he's chocolate cake. No, I'm good. I'm cutting back a little bit. No, I'm busy. I'll come back later. Maybe a little bit of sprinkles on top. Sometimes people think about Jesus like they're good. Like you tell somebody about the gospel, and they're like, no, I'm good. Like, what did you not understand I just told you? How You're good. No, you're not. You're going to hell without the gospel. You're not good. This is not you getting a Range Rover and deciding whether or not you want the sunroof with the navigation system. Well, I still got a Range Rover. I'm all right. But, you know, I get that navigation and sunroof. I'll be pimping then. No, it's you're going to die and go to hell or you're going to heaven. You're not good without him. You need his sacrifice. You need to be saved. Sometimes people say, I don't need to be saved. That's your first problem. You need to be saved from that big pride and ego that you have. That religious spirit that doesn't think you need to be saved. You don't know who you are. You might have been comparing yourself to Hitler. And you're like, ha, I'm pretty good. Man. I haven't murdered. I haven't stole. Have you compared yourself to Jesus lately? That's who you're judged next to. Not Judge Judy and not Hitler. Jesus Christ. Somebody say salvation. The last one is justification. I'm going to read that one last with the scripture. You can turn there with me now. Acts 13a. Seven is sanctification. Somebody say sanctification. The Bible says that you're separated from your sin. Do you know that when you are saved, sinning is not going to be your first natural response to things anymore? If you're truly saved, your first natural response will be to live for God. You say, I don't know if I believe that. Then you have not been sanctified yet. I remember the time that I was cussing as a Christian. God was speaking to me the whole time. But I wouldn't listen. And then I began to listen to him. And I began to realize, oh, that voice inside my heart telling me to calm down, that's just not my conscience because my conscience can get pretty cray-cray sometimes. Well, are you guys listening to me? Well, that's just my conscience. No, my conscience is clear, baby, and I'm going to tell you as a T.I. is right now Then I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to sleep good with a clear conscience. Why? Because I was a sinner. But all of a sudden, as a Christian, I would get mad. I would lose my temper. Oh, I just felt this heaviness, that conviction. And I would try to make an excuse to myself. Well, you know, they deserved it. You know, my boss, she was crazy. This really happened. I cussed out my boss. And I was like, man, she deserved it. She was cussing at me. And my mom was like, you need to call up an apologist. I'm like, no, I don't. She's like, you're a Christian now. And I'm like, it don't matter. She was wrong. But God, just right here. Come on, somebody say sanctification. 
See, God was showing me that he had cleaned my heart, and now sin was junk in a clean heart. And he was saying, it don't belong there. And if you want it out, you got to get forgiveness right now. You see, sometimes we think about salvation as this continual process where we're always dirty and God is cleaning us. We're dirty and God's cleaning us. No, once you are saved, you are sanctified. This is your heart. That's why just one sin is like a pebble in your shoe or like a blister in your finger. You know, like, uh, uh, what do they call it when you get a wood? A splinter. It's like, boom, like, oh, my gosh. Sometimes I just want to cut off my finger. You know, it's like, geez, this thing makes my whole body hurt. You guys know what I'm talking about. Just a splinter. Have you ever stubbed your toe and know what I'm talking about? You're like, amputate it, doc. Take it off. Take it off. Give me the morphine. You know, it's like that little toe. That little toes just put your whole body in effect, right? Your whole body can be healthy. That little toe is gone, man. You know what I'm talking about, that little deformed little toe that kind of crunches in. A little weird toenail, fingernail on it. You know what I'm talking about. It's got a little weird nail on it. But guess what God is saying to the believer? Just one sin. I'm going to convict you of it. I'm going to convict you of it. How many know what I'm talking about? Amen. Last thing, can we all stand up as the band comes? Acts 13, 38, justification. Everybody say Justified. When Jesus Christ gives you justification, it is just if I'd never sinned. Just if I'd never sinned. I want you to read this with me out loud today, saints. Acts 13, 38 through 39. One, two, three. Hold on, that's not it. <laughs> Hold up. Wait a minute. Here we go. Are we ready? Verse 38 through 39, 1, 2, 3. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. How many are happy about that this morning? Amen. Altar workers, would you come, please? Come on, let's bless them this morning. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you, Lord, for salvation. Let's just close our eyes and just thank him right now. Come on, just praise him in your own words. Lord, thank you for salvation. Thank you for justification. I am justified, never sinned. Every sin has been paid for. Forgiveness has been given. Oh, God, and you've done through Jesus what never could be done through the law. Now, with every head bowed and eyes closed, just examine your heart. Are you right with God? You've already heard the gospel probably about ten times today, right? You've heard it over and over and over again. But one last time, examine your heart. Are you right? Are you ready to meet Jesus in heaven? Have you been forgiven? Have you been saved? Have you been sanctified, set apart from your sin? Have you been made a new creation? Just meditate on that right now for a few moments. Those of us who know we're saved, just begin to thank him for it. Thank him for your family's salvation. Thank him for the blessings of salvation, the fruit of the Spirit, the peaceful mind, the joy in your heart. Okay, so those right now who are not right with God, you should be getting right. And those who are right with God should be praising him because we're about ready to pray before we get out of here. And I want to make sure everybody's right. Jesus. Jesus. Okay, now would you look up at me, please? 
now we're going to pray for the lost. Would you put up the Joshua Project interactive map, please? We're going to lift up the lost before we leave out here today. They're going to sing a song. I'm going to dismiss after we sing a couple verses of this song. But here's all we're going to do. If you're not saved and you need prayer, find one of these altar workers. They'll just pray with you. They're going to lead you in a prayer of salvation. But if you know you're saved, I want you to pick a nation on this map. And I want you to pray for these nations today. Because he said to be disciples that make disciples. And where? All the nations, right? How many nations? All the nations. So as they get ready to sing, if you need prayer, come on. If not, pick out one of these nations and just start praying before we dismiss. Jesus. Jesus. We pray for these nations today. We lift up China to you, God. Oh, Lord, save them, God. Bring gospel preachers to this nation, Lord. We lift up Indonesia, God. We lift up Thailand. We lift up the Philippines this morning, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, send out your gospel, Lord. Send it out, Jesus. We lift up Oman, Saudi Arabia, God. We lift up Algeria to you, God. Costa Rica, Lord. Brazil. Come on, saints. You haven't even prayed a minute yet. Come on, four more minutes. Lift up your voices and just pray for nations. Pray for America. Pray for your neighborhood. Pray for your street, your block, your friend. Let's just pray for people today. Come on. Morocco, Jesus. Hallelujah. My friend Larson from Morocco, my neighbor, Lord. Save him, Jesus. Japan, Lord. Send forth your gospel to Taiwan, Jesus. Hallelujah. Indonesia, Malaysia. Oh, Jesus. Myanmar, Burma, Nepal, Pakistan. Come on, somebody pray for the high schools in America. Why not pray for Shores, Stymets, Clemeni? Come on, Foreman. Lane Tech, North Park University, Northern University, Chicago, and a university. Come on. Come on now, three more minutes, saints. Push in. Push into the throne of heaven. He's called us to be witnesses. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer for the nations. Canada. Chile. Hallelujah. Europe. Scandinavia, the Bahamas, Cuba, Guatemala, Jesus, Dominican Republic, Haiti, Venezuela, Jesus, Bolivia, Paraguay, Argentina, Jesus, 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 hallelujah, Honduras, Peru, Colombia, oh, use us, God. So many of these nations are here in America. Venezuela, Guyana, Suriname, French Guinea, French Guiana, hallelujah. Come on, now 60 seconds. Satan's been defeated. The enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold him down. Come on, 60 seconds. 
Name off your neighbors now. Name off your friends, your co-workers, your bosses, our leadership in government. Pray for the mayor, the governors, the senator. Come on, let's just lift them up now. America for Jesus. United States for Jesus. Chicago for Jesus. The north side, the west side, the suburbs, downtown, Belmont and Clark. Come on, every location. Jesus. Hallelujah. We're going to dismiss now. Would you hold somebody's hand as we prepare to dismiss? God, bless your people and send us out to preach your word in Jesus' name. Can you shout amen one more time? Amen. Let's bless him. God bless you. Slap your neighbor high five and say, preach. Amen. You're welcome to stay for the after party. We're going to keep singing this song about Satan being defeated. But if you got to go, go ahead. We bless you. If you need prayer for anything, come on up. Jesus, do it, God. Oh, he's been. The enemy's been defeated. Yes, send us out to preach Death this week, God. Down. Hallelujah. Lift our voice in victory. It's We're time. The victory is ours in Jesus' name. Been oh, God, save Steve, Michelle, God. Save Ashta, God. Save Vivek, God. Save Larson, oh, Jesus. Save Shaw, God. Save the Lord. Hallelujah. Been. The enemy's been defeated, and death couldn't hold you down. We're gonna lift our voice in victory. We're gonna make your praise. Woo! Come on, turn her up so we can hear him. Yes, Lord. These nations belong to Jesus. Use every one of us, God. We're gonna make your praise. Shout out to God with the voice of triumph. Shout out to God with the voice of praise. Shout out Jesus. to God with the voice of praise. Oh, Robocota Amen. Amen. Keep on praying. Come on up if you need prayer. Let's be preachers. Let's go after God. Hallelujah. Shout out to God with the voice of triumph. Shout out to God with the voice of praise. Shout out to God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. Shout out to God with the voice of triumph. Shout out to God with the voice of praise. Shout out to God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. Death couldn't hold you down. We're gonna lift our voice in victory. The enemy's been defeated. Come see that. Death couldn't hold you down. We're gonna lift our voice in victory. We're gonna make your praises loud. The enemy's been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. We're gonna lift our voice in victory. We're gonna make our praises loud. The enemy's been defeated. Death couldn't hold you.
voice in victory. We're going to make our praises loud. Shout out to God with the voice of triumph. Shout out to God with the voice of praise. Shout out to God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name come on, up. come on, I feel a breakthrough. That's what I'm talking Christ. about, worship band. Shout come on. Those of you praying up here, God is doing Shout it. Out to God with the voice of come on, there's another we level in this house. Yes, yes. Come on, he's been defeated. He's been, yes, he's a defeated foe. God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. Shout out to God with the voice of triumph. Shout out to God with the voice of praise. Shout out to God with the voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. As you're praying, just keep praying and worshiping. But I wanted you to hear what I just felt in my spirit as she kept praising and breaking through. That some of you, you're wondering, man. I got so many problems in my life. When is God going to take care of them so I can do these other things? You know, maybe you're getting beat up financially or beat up, you know, with peer pressure or you keep making the same mistakes. But I just heard the Lord say that he wanted me to tell you today, believe right now that you have been set free. Believe right now that you are loved. Receive it. He's already died. He's already paid the price. You can be free from that junk. Your life can change today. You can... You, you can leave out of here never the same again the gospel works for you too so as we sing this again I just want some of you who are living in your past to step out of your past and into your future and believe that today is your day of justification sanctification salvation new creation redemption hallelujah sing it out in victory shout yes yes this is your day Come on, believe praise. it today. It's my Shout day. Out to God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. Shout out to God with the voice of triumph. Shout out to God with the voice of triumph.